Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. We're here uh, at the Montreal Startup Festival, the first day of the actual festival, uh, and uh, it's pouring rain, and it, we're not in a small room. But other than that, and actually we're not drinking coffee, so we're actually uh, big liars, all lies. Uh, we're, we're here today with uh, Pamela of Hello MD. How's it going? I'm very well. We're actually in a tent. Yes, we're in a tent. An open tent. Hence the background noise. So thank you for braving the inclement weather to you're, come this you're morning. Welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, so first of all, why do you tell everybody what HelloMD is all about? Okay, so HelloMD, we're based out of San Francisco. We're a cannabis company, a technology company. And essentially, we're building the world's largest community of medicinal cannabis consumers. So we launched about 15 months ago. Um, and we are on a growth trajectory to have about 1 million members uh, in 12 months' time. And essentially, if you sort of go down to brass tacks, we connect our members to medical professionals, trusted advice and answers, and to brands and retailers throughout the entire industry. Got it. So you that community, um, when they come on, is it mm -hmm. like is it a discussion between them mm -hmm. and it, between the providers? It or? can be. It depends on what their entry point is. So some people, often the first point of contact is that they want to talk to a medical doctor, and so they use our telehealth platform. So they become a member with us. They receive their medical marijuana recommendation, and then they're able to go and purchase. Um, so that's often the first point of contact. Um, the other point of contact is our answers platform, and that allows uh, our members to come on and ask a cannabis-related question from anywhere in the world, essentially. And either a medical professional will answer the question, an industry expert, or again, brand, um, brands and retailers, or our members of the community at large. So the tele from the telehealth perspective, it's mm -hmm. like I need a I, I need to talk to a doctor to get a consult to perhaps get a prescription. Correct. And that and we call it a recommendation because it's technically not okay. a prescription. Fair enough. Um, so they get a recommendation. Um, we service California with that telehealth um, platform, and we have plans to go nationwide um, with that. Cool. Um, and so that is a necessary point of contact that people have, but they often, you know, they want to connect with a medical professional because we are gearing ourselves more towards the medicinal cannabis marketplace. And so these are people that often have very serious medical conditions. You know, it can span from something like cancer and MS to something maybe not as serious, like I, I have low-grade anxiety and how is cannabis going to help me? It, it, whatever the case may be, these people have very serious questions and want somebody, a trusted resource, to give them good answers. So, and then on the forum side of the, the world, the Q&A mm -hmm. side of the world, mm -hmm. so it's community answered and asked kind of thing? Yes, exactly. So, that can be noisy too, right? Like with, it or can, can it be? It like, can, it can be noisy, like. but um, but we've created it in such a way where people can very easily kind of find the information and, and be able to ask the questions that they want and have the answers come to them and they, you know, they're notified and, and they can start a conversation from there. Cool. So yeah. taking a step back, when, mm -hmm. when did you start this? So we started this about 15 months ago. Okay. Yeah. And it's been, it's been, uh, a rocket ship pretty much since the beginning. Yeah. yeah. What, what, uh, and you started in San Francisco? We started in San Francisco, correct. And, and for those who don't know, like me in Canada, yeah. the, the law in San Francisco around cannabis for medicinal purposes is what? Is it unclear at the moment or okay, is it like? So, so this is why cannabis is confusing worldwide, mm -hmm. right? So Canada has its own laws. I don't mm -hmm. know how it, how it works um, from region to region within Canada, but within the United States, each state has its own various state laws and regulations around it. And as as you probably know, it's against the law on the federal level, so that creates a whole other sort of mm -hmm. morass of difficulties, especially when running a business. So um, within within California, you are it's it's medically legal. It's not recreationally legal. That's coming up on the ballot this coming November. 
um, and we hope that passes. Um, and so within California, you're able to get your medical recommendation through a doctor over telehealth, and that is required in order for you to go, be able to go and purchase from a dispensary. And those dispensaries are licensed by the state, not obviously not federally. Or are they licensed by the state? They, or they, how are, do they... Licen they are licensed by the state, that is correct. Okay. Um, and the federal government stays out of it. Got it. Yeah. So then why, what prompted the, like, why 15 months ago you're like, oh boy, cannabis is becoming legal in states, now is a good business opportunity? Was that how you... You know, the funny, the, my backstory to cannabis is very sort of storied and uh, windy, I would say. Um, I, I've been around cannabis since, uh, you know, late teens. Um, it's never really done all that much good for me on that the recreational side, so I never really had a positive view on it. I knew a lot of, you know, quote-unquote stoners. Um, uh, but I've had very chronic severe migraines since I was about 15 years old. And so I've been on pharmaceuticals for, you know, 20 to 25 years. I was on narcotics and Imitrex and all these different things, and they only got worse. Um, I could sort of mask the pain, but I was getting to the point where I just thought, you know, how, where is this going to end? You know, if I'm at 15 Vicodin this month, am I going to be at 20 next month? Right. And I'm <laughs> so, assuming there were side effects of those yeah, drugs that of course, were not the best. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, as I said, there was nothing that was a preventative measure. It was like a masking of actual chronic pain. Right. And so at some point, somebody said, you know, you should really try cannabis. And I just laughed at them and sort of rolled my eyes. But when I looked into it, I found that there were a variety of solutions that I could try. Um, and it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was. I didn't have to go and smoke a joint and get stoned out of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, so I started tinkering with it and I found that not only did I reduce my migraines, but I was able to get off narcotics completely. Um, I haven't used Imitrex, I think I've used it once in two years, where I was using twice inhaler, twice a month. Um, and so I use cannabis every single day um, and it helps pretty much get rid of my migraines. So I rarely have them and when I do, it helps mitigate the pain. And I found solutions where I'm not stoned. So to me, as a business owner and operator, there was something there. Like I'm a, I'm a 40 something mom in the suburbs and I'm suddenly using cannabis every day. Mm -hmm. um, so that to me was a big indicator that there's a problem out there. We are, our society has a lot of pain. We're using too many opioids for instance. Um, <clears throat> and it's a possible solution. So at the time we had a technology business and it was sort of it was doing okay, but it wasn't doing great, and so we pivoted that business 15 months ago into cannabis, and then we just had the thought, well, you know, perhaps telehealth for cannabis is a great way to reach a market like myself, somebody who didn't really feel all that comfortable going to. What, was that how you? Because you're like, I'm doing research, I can't do research. It was like, was that what happened to you? Like you just like had no, you don't know how to get there from here. You just. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand. So I guess the question was like. Is it born out of your experience where you're like, I think this seems like an interesting option, now what do I do? And there's nothing there to like either refer you or give you any support. There's lots of you yes. know, weird websites that exactly. have weird things yeah. and you're like, and I can't so, really rely you know, on the this Yeah, so the cannabis industry for a newcomer like myself or for anyone who's wanting to get into it is incredibly confusing. The information out there, there's a lot of legacy sort of, you know, cannabis sites that are really geared towards that recreational user um, you know you'll see a lot of like fire animations and women in bikinis and stuff like that and it, that's that's not the market that we are aiming towards um, I think recreation and medicinal use will always sort of um, have sort of a hand in hand uh, you're, one one exists and the other exists and that's just kind of the market and it probably always will be um, but our take on on the the medicinal market is that over time we believe in the next five to ten years that's going to be 90 80 to 90 percent of the market and the 
recreational market's going to hold at about 10 to 13 percent. Mm -hmm. So when we pivoted our business, because we had we already had a telehealth platform and we were servicing a medical community, it just the business wasn't going as well as we had wanted. And so when I looked at this issue of how I had gotten my own recommendation, how I didn't like it, it wasn't private, it was uncomfortable. Um, I thought, well, why don't we try this with our telehealth platform? And the first day we sold three consults and we didn't even have a doctor yet. So we actually refunded the money. <laughs> well, and you're in a really interesting place because like, in a, in a way it's like a marketplace, right? Like yeah. you've got supply, yes, which is the, you know, uh, the doctors mm -hmm. or the, yeah, the professionals who can do this. Yeah. You've got the demand. Yes. And usually in a marketplace, the supply side is relatively easy to get. If you're yeah. like, hey, dude, like I can make you some money. Yeah. If you, I'll help you get whatever. They'll say, sure. But then the demand side, normally, especially in consumer mm -hmm. space, uh, the consumers like, you have to find them and market to them. In your case, I'm assuming they were people were looking for it. So it's not a matter of getting them to pay attention to you because yeah. you're doing something they don't know about. You, you want them to pay attention to you as the trusted channel. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, from the get-go, I'd say it was within about two months we saw competitors cropping up because it's not a real. Uh, it wasn't a super high barrier to entry because you have that demand side and you have that supply side. So. Uh, because we have a extensive background in technology and have been in running startups for the last 20 years or so, we took some of the same knowledge that we had from those previous startups and we, we said, you know, well, how do we provide ourselves with even more rapid growth and a higher barrier to entry? And so we've become one of the most um, partner-friendly companies within the cannabis industry. And so we partner with hundreds of brands and retailers. And those same brands and retailers want access to these new consumers as well. And so they use our white label service, which allows them to connect their, um, their consumers to our doctors and they're able to get recommendations. But beyond all of that, once we, are, we, once we attract that demand side, then we have these people within our community. So then the question is, what do we do to them, or do, do with them and offer to them, right? So you, sorry, you've white labeled the platform? Correct. For, why, why not just have them flow through? Through us? Yeah. Because we get about 65% of our um, consumers through organic search. Mm -hmm. But those businesses help to drive 40% of our revenue. And what they want is people come to them, and then those people need a recommendation. And so the easiest way to do, we felt the easiest way to do this was to provide a co-branded experience. So if I go to a major delivery platform and I would like to order, but I don't have a recommendation, I'm able to click on something and then go through our back-end system, but it appears like the delivery service is actually supporting us. And then do they become, is it obvious to them that they become members of the community, of your community afterwards? Yes. So even though they're working with the other yes. brand, they're still yeah. part of that community. Yeah, and we, totally we have that touch them. point, yeah, okay, exactly. Because cool. I think, like, I always wonder about that, because a, a lot of times startups will say, we'll just white label it, and that'll get us more customers or, or whatever. Yeah. But it seems like you're, you're more strategic than that. You're not just white labeling to, to generate more revenue. No, it seems like exactly. you're doing it because well, it's there's to, a need it's, in that. It's to generate more revenue to to really build that relationship with the brand and the retailer out there because these these brands and retailers are very important to us because they're they're an important part of the ecosystem. Because once you get your recommendation or you've talked to a doctor or you know what you want um, that you want to try cannabis, where do you go next? What product do you try? Where do you buy it? 
and so that we help connect those dots for the consumer as well. So how do you, how does the healthcare professional do, did they do the diagnosis remotely? Digitally? They over telehealth, so that's legal. It's a video and, conference. Yeah, it's, it's a video conference, mm -hmm. so you can connect with your mobile phone, your tablet, or your desktop top computer. You fill in your medical history, and then they have um, a consultation with you over video. And within cannabis, um, this works almost better than I think any other industry. Because first of all, if you go to see a doctor in person at one of the clinics, they're not giving you a physical exam. They're not actually touching you anyway. But most people are pretty shy about their cannabis use. There's a lot of stigma around it. And so being able to connect with that medical professional through the privacy of your home or in your car or just where you feel like you're in control of your environment, we feel that our consumers value that almost more than anything else. And you think that uh, the, the assessment that the, the healthcare professional can provide over telemedicine is sufficient for them? I don't know what the criteria are to be able to the, say, yeah, I think, because if you have MS and anxiety are very different right. things, yes. right? So assessing the, the anxiety part, you know, you could, you could argue that it is the same sort of assessment that a, a psychiatrist would do if you were sitting in their office. Yeah. Versus MS, there are probably physical types of tests you can do. There, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting question because some things are more subjective, like I have anxiety or I am not sleeping, right? The doctor is not going to be able to tell you whether that's the case, whether you're, if you're in the office. But we do allow for patients in a more black and white situation to upload medical records. That, and that brings me to my next question. Yeah. So, I'm assuming you have to think about, I mean, maybe you did this in the previous company that you pivoted from, but privacy and mm -hmm. storage of patient data. Yeah. At some point, even if this, if this somehow magically makes it into the realm of pure medicine and, and mm -hmm. gets accepted into all that stuff, you're, you're, you will be, if not already, subject to all of those privacy yes. things. Is that, yeah. like, did you know that when you built the thing? Yes. Because of the, where yeah. it came from, the etymology? So, I, so I'm not the technologist, but we have okay. thought about all of these yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. And yes, of course, we have to be concerned about, you know, the privacy of patient data. And so we follow the sort of HIPAA rules and regulations, encrypted data, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah but that's hard and expensive, isn't yeah. it? Because you well, have to... You know, you can always be investing more and more time, energy, resources into that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then how do you, okay, so once the, because I think in your case, the problem will be almost retention, not activation of the user. The user mm -hmm. will come on and they'll get the prescription that they need. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, there's a forum, there's some people, sure, mm -hmm. sure, I got my prescription, I'm going to go out yeah. and do the things that I need to do and I just don't need you guys. So yeah. how do you, I mean, is is that enough of a revenue driver just to be like, fine, I, we can just churn through every single person in America and beyond, and that's good, <laughs> well, or is there something about with, it? With medical recommendations, you need, there's an typically an annual renewal. Follow-up, okay. Um, um, and again, we have the convenience and the privacy going for us just on the recommendation level. But we feel like people who are using cannabis for medical conditions or medical reasons tend to be much more passionate, and there's, there's not... It's, it's, it, some people, of course, will get the recommendation and they'll go off and we won't hear from them again. You're always going to have that. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be a certain level of engagement from portions of the community who are going to have lots of follow-on questions and who are, wanna, are going to want to engage you know, on our platform. And you know, we have designs for putting together things where there will be very specific communities for very specific um, conditions. So we so feel like... So sort of like, like WebMD style or... Not, but, you know... You know, it's not it's not an analogy that's lost on me just because I think what WebMD has is everyone knows it's one of the most trusted resources in healthcare. I think it is the most trusted health healthcare resource. And within cannabis, there's not really 
anything like that. Mm -hmm. There's no, there are no really huge behemoth brands that people equate to, oh, cannabis, uh, I trust that resource. Yeah. And so that's where we plan to go and, and plan and to be. And that's hard and expensive to do mm -hmm. because becoming a trusted brand, mm -hmm. you have to be a brand, mm -hmm. which is expensive in and of itself. Yeah. And then earning trust means you have to create yeah. valuable content and, val and, and relationships. Val yeah, and and relationships yeah. So how do you, is that, okay, so when you, one of the things you said before was um, when you were starting this, you, mm -hmm. actually, no, that's not the question I'm going to ask. Forget that, everybody. Um, <laughs> take seven. Um, oops. Uh, no, okay, so like, how, how do you do that? How do you, okay, actually, that, uh, okay, the question I was going to ask was, is related. You said that the barrier to entry, this isn't like a horrible <clears throat> technology problem. This is getting, building a brand, getting the right people to be onboarded. You happen to have the right technology to get you to market quickly, but inevitably other people are going to show up and try to do and dilute the, same the demand thing. side for us. Right, yep. and be not good, and not necessarily yes. good at the trusted side either. Yes. How do you, how do you, What's your barrier to entry for these these ladies and gentlemen, or is there one? Or um, so the, these partnerships with the brands and retailers. So that that is critical to us because that drives a lot of the demand that might dissipate by other competition coming into the market. So we have partnered with hundreds of brands and retailers, and we're signing on probably about 50 more each month. And a lot of that is driven by the fact that they've heard that we are a legitimate business, that we do have a great brand, that people love our service. You know, if you look at our reviews, we get tens and tens and tens of five-star reviews. Um, if you're familiar with the cannabis industry and the kinds of experiences you can have out there in America, um, people value that. Very quickly, we saw that people value um, being listened to they value having a high level or what they view as quality medical advice coming their way and the fact that it's easy to use and that they can find the information that they want. But how did you sign up like when you're in your early days, mm -hmm. um, and not that you're super old at this, but it in the early like days, it, yeah. <laughs> dog years, um, it's totally dog when, years. when you, you know, you're, you go up to a brand, you're like, Hey, you should totally like use our, our white label service for a prescription. There was no, no audience to say, look at all the reviews. You can't use, you know, no. the peel to no, 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 social no. proof kind of so thing. So it's definitely, you know, it's been sort of like compounded growth kind of deal. Um, the first six months, um, it was key for us to sign up some of the bigger delivery platforms, and they took a chance on us. Um, Is it through just personal relationship, persistence, no, tricking mean, them? How did no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't tricking them. But like I, like I said earlier, we were the fir really the first to the market, I and I think that we had set. Um, we were the first to market, and we were really the only ones reaching out to these people. Everybody else thought there's a. F I, this is what I believe. The other people either incorporated in, into an existing business that they have, like I'm a delivery service and I'm going to provide people with medical recommendations and I'm just going to build this on my own. So that's one sort of competitor. The other competitor is there are millions of people, millions and millions of people that need medical marijuana recommendations. I'm going to build a telehealth platform and they're going to find me. Yes. But as you know, even if the demand side, you have to show up on Google, you can't advertise on Google, you can't advertise on Facebook in the cannabis industry, you can't advertise yourself. So how do you create that word of mouth? So we have an extensive sort of SEO content strategy, and we also do the, these partnerships. Got it. So the, the combination, of, yeah, yeah, so the, the SEO helps with the organic search um, with our content, 
and then providing that valuable content and then um, the brands help drive that. So the other thing is when you're, when you're creating a, a tech company, uh, especially a marketplace style tech company, there's a lot of risk in and of itself. So if you're creating just Uber, <laughs> Just the risk of creating something like that is like quite high. Yeah. Then you chose to do it in a space that's nascent, I and don't know. the yeah. law is sort Why? of mushy. <laughs> even in the states that you're in, like yeah. the, the states that in the states that mushy. exist, and even in Canada, you know, in in Toronto, uh, the largest city in Canada, the, the yeah. police are raiding dispensaries, even yeah. though it's technically legal. So there's right. lots of wackiness happening. Why would you start a startup? in a space that's legally murky? And do you have like a gigantic legal budget just in case? Like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> You're making me feel a little anxious. Sorry. No, 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 no. Not, not, by, not by design. You're teasing. Um, it's a great question. I think, um, you know, I started this business with my husband and it sort of goes along with our personality types, I would say, maybe, you know. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Um, I think that we just saw an amazing opportunity. It seemed like a really exciting space. Um, you know, I was part of the first initial inter internet boom. <clears throat> and to me, when I looked at the cannabis industry, I saw sort of a verve and a, um, a, a, a Wild West component I hadn't seen since 1995. And on top of it, I had a passion. And you'll find that many, many um, people who get into this industry are either passionate about their cannabis use because they recreationally think it's amazing and it makes them happy or function or whatever. Or on the other side, you have people like me who get into this industry because they've had a revelation in their life and they've solved a, a, what, what I would consider a massive healthcare crisis. Um, because I was getting to the point where it, it was not functioning. I was not functioning, right. um, and cannabis solved those issues. So when and then we just had the synergy of time and place of having a healthcare platform, feeling like we could be doing better, and so we pivoted. But you know the issue of banking is an issue for us. You learn that on the job. Yeah, like you can't <laughs> take payments. Well, we you know we we have we have found a way to function as a as a true and legitimate business, but. Just like anybody in this industry, it's it's an issue. Um, there are a lot of issues, and yes, there is a, a very murky um, legal regulatory market out there. But we have also we were very clear from the beginning that we do not touch the plant. But so. do you uh, do you have to have like a contingency budget because you know that something, some, not necessarily something evil and pernicious, but some law might be put into place in a state or whatever that's like. Now you have to do things in triplicate and also, you know. I think you know, we're, we are in less, we are in less, um, less risk than say somebody who's manufacturing product products or say creating an extract. Um, because those things are, those things can flip on a dime and there's nothing to say the DEA can't raid you tomorrow. That's not, that type of situation is not going to happen in our business that we don't think. Regulations take time to put into place. Um, but we are cautious in terms of, um, you know, we want to be involved in regulation. And so, you know, I talk to lawmakers, I go out and try to figure out who are the major players, what groups should we be involved in, how can we be at the state capitol so that as bills and legislation is being written that our, our thoughts and concerns and, you know, views on the patient are brought to the table because a lot of times this is about the economics. It's a huge amount of money in cannabis. Yeah. And so a lot of the regulation is driven around special interests. Yeah. And so how do you how do you how do you combat that? Like as a startup, 
well, versus a drug company. You know, our we we we're not going to bat for the growers. We're not going to bat for um, you know how property is being rented out to people and what can happen where. We go to bat in terms of this is we see thousands and thousands and thousands of patients every single month. We we know what their concerns are. We know what their views are. We we have data on what their actual medical conditions are and who has that aggregated data. So we can we actually created one of the largest medical marijuana surveys ever done hmm. on a, a patient population of 1,400 people. And so we've given that out to everyone to say, you know what, we ha we know what's going on. And so when we get involved, it's about typically telehealth. It's about the technical side, and it's about how how people can access medical recommendations. So you, you're from San Francisco, and interestingly, you chose to come up to to, to Montreal to the Startup Fest. It's a fabulous place. <laughs> because what? <laughs> so our business partner, Larry, had been coming here for a couple of years and just said that this was an amazing festival and that we should, you know, check it out. And are so, you looking for investors, partners, yeah, so clients? We, like <laughs> so we, we, um, we've had a seed round um, and we've bootstrapped the company for the last year and we've been pretty clear of wanting to get to a certain growth level before going out and seeking investment. We just, we just felt like, you know, this is working. We can continue. We, we've been generating revenue and been cash flow positive. Um, but now we're at the point where we want to accelerate our growth. And so now 15 months in, we're seeking 1 million plus um, on a convertible note to extend that seed round. Um, and that's really just gonna help us grow sales, marketing, engineering more, more importantly than almost anything else and move into markets across the country. But so to me, if, in my mind, it would be almost the opposite. The, the engineering, you've got the platform. Mm -hmm. and it's not really a huge technology problem. It's brand building and, and that stuff, isn't it? So isn't we that have, where you would spend the money? I mean, Marketing, yes. You could say that there's a lot we can do within marketing, but we could be beefing up our engineering team um, to really dial down everything that we've done up to this point. And um, it's qu such a core component to having a stable platform. And it's not like we just we don't just do telehealth. Tele telehealth is a feature to us. Answers is a robust platform that could have you know tens of engineers on it. I mean. Um, where we are moving into customer acquisition models for our brands and partners and allowing them to uh, basically acquire our customers. All of this creates back-end administrative stuff for, that needs to be developed, um, designed, all of these things. So, and it's inter so would, interestingly, it's like, I guess there's two halves to this question. Mm -hmm. Is it hard to get um, investors because of the space, or, quite, or is it the opposite? And why would you come to, like, would, would Canadian investors appeal to you? And is that weird because you're in San Francisco and they're no, like, I don't the, think dollar, it's the dollars is a bit different, you know? Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the cannabis industry in terms of financials is very different than any other industry. You're also gonna find that there are a lot of very successful cannabis companies that are probably going to make that next big leap that will be undercapitalized at this point because the investment community, you you know, your institutional investors, for the most part, the large majority of them are not gonna touch cannabis. A lot of them think it's, well, A, on the federal level, they're not gonna touch it until classification, reclassification happens. And then on the other level, some of them just think, cannabis, oh, it's kinda like porn or gambling. They just have this very negative view on it, and again, because I think it's a lack of education of where the marketplace is going, because I'll repeat it, I think the medicinal area is going to be about 80% of the entire market. That's why it's going to be a $100 billion industry by 2029. 
Um, then you have your, your, your more individual investors who a lot of people are trying to put funds together and the, the, mar the climate of the market has changed very rapidly in the last six months and so there's just like this sort of bubbling of people wanting to step in at this point um, and putting funds together. So but there's inertia and people are the tide is slowly turning in. I mean it's, it's just a it's just a psychological stop. It's, it's a, not like financial. There's nothing yeah, financial exactly. there. It's just a psych sociological thing that says, yeah. as you said porn, you know, Yeah, I think that, that that tends to be more pervasive at the institutional level. Okay. I think on the individual investors, I think a lot of people they sense this excitement and what's going on and they want to be a part of it. But they, you know, they're just being a little bit more cautious and there's a lot more due diligence and um, just j trying to wrap your head around this industry, what's happening, who the major players are, who, who's going to survive and who's not. Um, it takes some time, but you know, the, other, the other thing is that once you get into the industry, you realize that it's pretty easy to figure out who the legitimate players are. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they answer the phone. They look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're not stoned all the time. <laughs> so okay. So and then would you would you would you take investment from Canadian investors or foreign investors or yeah. do, you, do you really care where the money comes from? I and don't. Then, it's not about where the money comes from. It's about who it's coming from. Got it. Because if there's anything that I realized, it's that there needs to be an allegiance and sort of a meeting of minds of who you take money from, and just coming from years of experience if you take money from people who because you're so desperate for them for the cash it's going to bite you and you're probably going to lose big in the end really really big mental mentally financially everything else you could lose your business so um so yeah and then so where are you where are you today i mean you're physically here obviously and you're you're like there's a bunch of strange pitch things that are happening yes there are strange, <laughs> this is a very interesting event so so i'm talking to you and then i'm going to run over to the rock star stage because it's kind of set up like a rock star stage <laughs> and then you'll do karaoke and then you'll pitch your business <laughs> Do karaoke, that's and right. between the two, they'll figure out which one they want to invest in. <laughs> yeah, so your singing so, career, your business career. Yeah. But like, wh where are you? Go are, are you at? Okay, where we now need to grow. We've proven the model. Yes. Out. It's about scale. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think I think we've de absolutely proven the model. We know we know we've hit a hot spot. You know, we're growing. Our compound monthly growth rate is twenty eight percent. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. Extraordinary. In our first year, we've done two point three million dollars in top line revenue. Wow. Um, and we've only tapped into one revenue stream. So I, in, I, in one state. In one state. And and you, I'm assuming you haven't saturated that state because that's no, a very popular no, no, no. state. No, it, it 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 consumes more than half of the cannabis in the country. Um, but this is not to me. This is. California, it's great to be in California. Somebody said to me, if you're going to sell cat food, you want to sell it in California. Like, if whatever you want to sell, you want to sell it in California if you're in the States. Um, but to me, this is about a, a global sort of healthcare and social revolution that's basically happening. And it's happening because people are solving issues. They're seeing that this is offering hope. And so becoming a trusted brand and resource within this industry if you look at the growth of how this is going to dwarf both the wine and the coffee industry if you can manage to pull that off you're going to be one of the giants and so how do you know i mean i'm assuming if expansion is your goal mm -hmm. to like grow yes when do you when do you grow how like do you start you kind of saturate california and then 
pick your next battleground, or are you just trying to go broad and then deep in each market? Like, how do you know where to go next? How do you know how to how to grow? Well, Especially think, given the laws are so different in so many different yeah, places. Yeah, I think I think if we're talking about the telehealth and me medical recommendations, going nationwide, yes, we would start with a, a series of states, and we analyze that and pretty much know where we would go, and we would be hooking up um, patients to doctors within those states. Um, we we have a lot of data points that show that the model that we're we're banking on is uh, I believe it's going to work. Um, so so that's the one side of it. But you know I kind of view I view the telehealth in California as almost like a Trojan horse because once you get those patients in, there's so many other things that you can do with them and so many different ways that you can monetize. So I believe the medical consultations and the medical advice will always be a part of our platform. But it's not you know it's not the sole way that we will generate our revenue. But like acquiring. <laughs> people to pay attention to the mm -hmm. other stuff that's going on mm -hmm. uh, is it's gonna be harder because you know if I have a need I will go to fulfill that need with your platform the right. community and all the other stuff yeah um, it's less it's yeah. harder to get them yeah. if so if you're gonna go to another state country or whatever yeah. and you don't necessarily have the recommendation thing how do you get them Engaged. Engaged. Well, it is. Initially it is, and then. On yeah, I mean, I, I think that what's happening now is that we're finding that we're generating such a, an enormous amount of content through this answers service that we have. And we engage our brands and retailers and, you know, ask me anything that we are generating so much content that that is sort of becoming mm -hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy because that now people are finding that and saying, oh, that's amazing. I have a cannabis question, too. So it becomes just another arm of the business and a way to acquire and um, keep those people engaged. Are you even generating content of your own or is it just you're getting the right partners in to create the stuff that is so, what the community wants to see? So we have, so we have uh, the, with the answers platform, the actual, um, the actual consumers are creating the content, right? They ask the question, the doctors answer, and a, a product company might get involved because they see that their topical is being talked about and then you know, I might answer, or somebody in the community might answer. So that's one type of content. Other type of content is we do a lot of video um, interviewing. I kind of do like what you do. <laughs> Try to make people feel more comfortable. I get it. Yeah, just more professional. <laughs> so we do that. So we do a lot of um, videos with brands. We do a news show. Um, we also generate uh, a lot of content through our blog around medical conditions, and that attracts a lot of organic search to us. So the, the content portion is ex extraordinarily important to us. Cool. Okay, so I'm, I'm sad to say we're out of time. Really? But it's good because yeah. you can get ready for your rock star rock singing star. karaoke. What do you think I should sing? <laughs> the Pink Floyd song Money? I don't know. Yeah, That's that too weird and trippy. <laughs> uh, but okay, so if people want to check out HelloMD, where yes, do they go? They go to HelloMD.com. That's pretty easy. That's really easy. <laughs> Glad you got the .com because it would have been really weird. If, um, so thanks, Pamela, for, for uh, coming on the show in the middle of like pitching for your life. We appreciate that very much. Uh, break a leg. Uh, thanks for no, everyone for listening to the show. Uh, this is Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. Thanks to Nick Kuhn for producing the show. Thanks for TWG for sponsoring us. And we will see you next episode. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.